0: Through interviews with top professional, collegiate, and master's level runners, leading dietitians, coaches, sports psychologists, and runners of all shapes and sizes, we hope to spread the message that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to distance running. Now, let's get to the show. All right, quick break to give a shout out to our show's sponsor today, Fem Protein Powder. You can use code Strong Runner Chicks for 15% off your order. Femme is a plant-based protein powder with minimal ingredients easily digestible and I absolutely love it whether it's in overnight oats, pre-run, energy bites that I mix it into or just your classic smoothie. It's delicious and just packs a ton of great plant-based powder in it. So go to femproteinpowder.com and again take 15% off your first order with code STRONGRUNNERCHICKS. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. All right. Hello, Strong Runner Chicks. Welcome back to another episode of SRC Radio. Uh, Today, it's Megan, and I am joined here by Dr. Rosalind from Rekinetic PT, um, or Physical Therapy. I'm really excited to chat with her today, really dive into some um, PT-specific questions, especially for runners and um, for women alike. And I know, Dr. Rosalind, you work a lot with both runners and women. So it seemed like a natural fit to have you on the podcast, and really excited to chat chat today. Thanks for joining.
1: All right. I appreciate it. This is quite an honor and I am so thankful that you are having me on this show.
0: Happy to have you. Um, I'd love to start off by just having you um, introduce yourself a little bit, just kind of, you know, anything you want us to know or listeners to know um, in terms of kind of who you are, how you got started in athletics and maybe how that led to your career in physical therapy.
1: Right, right. So I was always involved in sports. My father played basketball and he ran. And I think I just kind of, you know, naturally followed him. And then my brothers also ran. So in high school, I did track volleyball and basketball. And then I ended up actually playing lacrosse in college. And um, and also rugby, but um, I was at University of Delaware. Go Blue Hens! Blue. And uh, <laughs> I played the cross, so that was just such an amazing experience. And um, definitely got in really good shape. And um, after um, University of Delaware, I played at the state level at the different level of lacrosse afterwards. So that was, that was pretty neat. And then I was able to play again when I went back to school at George Mason university for grad school. So play lacrosse for, for a little while, even though I didn't start it until late in life. So, um, that kept me in really good shape and throughout that, you know, you run, you do a lot of running. So I just naturally kind of just kept up running in between doing different sports.
0: Very neat. Yeah. So it sounds like running was kind of this common thread perhaps that continued to come up for you.
1: Right. It definitely came up because, you know, we had to run of course to be ready for the sport. And then after college, it just kind of seemed natural to be a runner because that's kind of what I knew. So then I was like, okay, well, running is what I will do to, to stay in shape, you know, when you can't be with the team.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, So yeah, during this time when you found running or refound, it sounds like it came came, if I'm hearing right, it kind of came in and came out perhaps throughout your life. It definitely came in yeah. and came out because, yeah. you know, with grad school, got a little bit busier,
1: maybe didn't do as much running, then you start working, maybe stop stop running again, then get settled in working, yeah. start running again. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, my first career actually is in physical education and athletic training. So I did that for the first half of my, of my, of my life and, you know, on, off running then. Yeah. Then you add in going back to school (laughs) for physical therapy, but actually it was interesting because physical therapy school, even though it was really, really busy, a lot of people worked out a lot. So I feel like I kind of, got back into working out again and running again, and then uh, you know, post, post-physical post therapy school, back to running again. So it's been back and forth. I, I would say I've been very, very consistent with running the last six years.
0: Oh, great, yeah. I love, uh, love hearing that and you know hope that you found a sense of community too in running. Um, right. Is this something you like to do more solo or, or do you like to run with others?
1: I love running with others. I don't mind running solo at all, but I love running with others. And I've never been the kind that it really bothered me if somebody was a slower pace than me or a faster pace than me. You know, I usually can just either try to match or hang back or run ahead, come back. Um, I feel like I just run for the fun, or, or I usually say I woggle because, you know, I'm not someone that's in those super speeds but I'm not someone in like a really slower speed I would say you know whatever that really means so and I don't feel like I'm always competing I feel like a lot of people you know sometimes are worried about their time a lot so um, I do my woggle and if I need to hang out with someone then I hang out with someone to make it social but I think the best thing which I really miss about this the social part of running is you know kind of your before you run, you know, you get together, you stretch, you're talking, you're hanging out. And then the after run activities, you know, sometimes we have a yoga class or you go for food or you get a beer or you're just hanging out. So there's just that whole social networking that comes with running.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing more. I apologize if there's a dog in the background. I've got a little barking dog, so sometimes I gotta mute myself. But um, in terms of you know community, I'd love to know like. Um, I guess this kind of goes along with everything else, but, you know, after Delaware, how did you find a sense of community, Um, maybe not only in running, but also in athletics? Um, How did you continue to do that? We have a lot of listeners that are collegiate runners or maybe did do college sports in the past and are kind of craving that sense of community again. So I'm wondering if, if you have any advice or things that have been helpful for you to find community.
1: Well, in grad school, you have to kind of You'll find clubs, of course, since you're not actually in a collegiate anymore. But um, there were clubs, there was a volleyball club, and then there was actually a lacrosse club as well. So I had joined those. And then there were running clubs in the actual community. So this is way pre-Facebook or anything like that. So I'm trying to even remember how we found each other. I really can't even think about it. But, uh, it's
0: hard to remember, <laughs> isn't it?
1: Instagram, Facebook, yeah. like what did we do
0: back, back in
1: the day? I know, was it a listserv? Or maybe someone just said, hey, there's a group. Directory,
0: did you get out?
1: And then you knew the time, so you just showed up at that time.
0: Yeah. Email, I guess we've had around a while. <laughs> flyers. <laughs> yeah, we, we went flyers. to in-person things. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I think I remember um, joining a group when I lived at right of grad school. I lived in the Northern Virginia area. It was a Saturday morning run group. So. I okay. joined group.
0: Nice. Yeah. yeah. Good to hear. So back in Virginia. And now are you out in Maryland? Catch me up on right. yeah I am in Baltimore, Maryland now. Yeah. 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 So, um, kind of going along with probably relocation in a sense, but um, what what led to you wanting to go back to school to pursue a career in physical therapy? So as I said, my first
1: degree is in physical education and athletic training. So I'd already was in like the sports sports medicine realm. And I originally went back to grad school for exercise science. I thought I was gonna just do corporate fitness. And the bottom kind of dropped out of that in the in the '90s, and I was working as a fitness director for the Kellogg Corporation, teaching aerobics and um, just doing like fitness testing for some of the employees. And we had a it was some kind of a friendly kind of thing that we had with one of the local hospitals and. I don't even know how that happened, but they were like, okay, well, she, you have an athletic trainer that works for you as a fitness director, and we need an athletic trainer. So it's kind of like I did half my hours at that hospital as an athletic trainer. But in Michigan, you could work in a clinic as an athletic trainer seeing patients. So as long as I didn't see any necks or backs, I still saw patients in a hospital outpatient clinic. So we had an, the athletic trainer, the physical therapist, the physical therapist assistant and then the tech all on the team. And so I was kind of like, well, I kind of like this clinic work at the time. And then I was thinking, well, maybe I'll go into occupational therapy, work ergonomics and start talking to people. And most people kind of advised me that since I already was an athletic trainer, it was gonna be a much easier um, link to go into physical therapy. And so, you know, I looked into that and I'm like, yeah, you know, physical therapy, that's that's what I'm gonna do next. So
0: that's what I did. Yeah. I'm, uh, okay, schooling. <laughs> <laughs> I know I have some friends that have gone into physical therapy and know quite a few PTs and does not sound easy from what I've gathered to not only get into PT school, but to go through the process and, you know, really get into the work. So big props to you for even make it, I mean, just to become a PT, I have so much respect and admiration for um, PTs. It's really awesome work. Yeah. And that
1: was the first time actually, because um, at the p- time it was a master's program and mm-hmm. it was transitioning to a doctorate, but I was like, oh, I'm never, you know, I'm not gonna teach and I'm not yeah. gonna need that. And I need to just start working. So I just started working, like, you know, for the next 10 years. And then um actually 2019 I ended up going back to school for the doctorate.
0: Nice, nice. Um,
1: doctor Rosalind actually. Doctor,
0: <laughs> yeah, you get to call yourself that. That's a good credential to have. Really awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, when it comes to PT as well, you know, I'm curious, did you have any, um, personal experience like with injury or maybe with a PT that led you to want to become one?
1: I wouldn't say that it had anything at the time to do with injury. It was more about already being an athletic trainer and then working in the clinic at the time. Now this latest half of my, of my life definitely had more to do with injuries and moving into starting my own business and then starting with um, trying to focus a little bit more with um, older women, women of color and then new runners.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that you've been able to, I mean, it's nice to be able to kind of come into your own in terms of who you really want to work with. That sounds like you're passionate about that
1: definitely definitely
0: yeah
1: it just felt like you know I looked out in the space and I was looking at what was out there and even just in my neighborhood just looking around at market research or the different clinics um, the different personal trainers and really just not seeing anybody that really looked like me
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I just thought you know I've, I've been a runner I know how to start running and um, it I think it would be just a great thing if maybe women over 50 could see me and, you know, I'm, I'm not in my sports bra. I'm not 120 pounds and, you know, I'm still doing things and I have had injuries. I have had um, issues with blood pressure, cholesterol. So I just wanted to, to you know, just be kind of that model and the people in, in that realm could look and say, okay, you know, I can, I can do this too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What is the, um, kind of like response, been I guess to that, like to sharing your own story, um, not only as I can see through Instagram, but also with your clients, like what has the process been like? And, and maybe this leads into talking about starting your own business too, which is exciting. <laughs> right. Well, it's, it's really funny. It's
1: really, really funny because my whole idea was how I wanted to serve um, women of color over 50 and new runners. And since I've started my practice, I can't honestly say that's who I've attracted. (laughs) It's really funny how that does work. So, but I have attracted definitely some um, clients with knee pain and clients that are interested in starting to run. So that's, that's really, you know, where I was trying to combine the health coaching, running coaching, and then the physical therapy part.
0: I already have so many ideas. I'm like, oh, there's so many ways to connect you. Hopefully with um, you know, and I'm sure you have, but with women running groups specifically and women of color and you know, women over 50. There's a lot of opportunity out there. But right. exciting okay. to hear your and I kind of have a similar experience in that I'm a personal trainer and I work in a facility. I can tell you all these conferences I go to for exercise science and PT. One, there's not much diversity, frankly. And two, sure. there's a lot of white males. <laughs> I mean, right. whiteness in general, but I do see a lot right. of you know, white males at these conferences no, right. and even women, you know, not feeling comfortable going to them because of that. And so I do think that you have such a powerful voice and um, you know, representation is huge. But in physical therapy, I'm just seeing it's it's definitely lacking and needed.
1: Right, definitely. Yeah, it's really interesting because I feel like when I went to school in both realms, I felt like there were so many females in all my programs. But then when you get out there, I'm like, where is everybody? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's just nothing but young white males. And I mean, I just got finished. Um, doing a like a four-week program with a gym that I won I won this little raffle in order to work out there and every single trainer that works there is like a 28 year old (laughs) male
0: (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, some commonality. and I live in
1: Baltimore which is like I'm always like okay what's going on here we've got like a reverse
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and and, and it is interesting because where I live it's 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 different you know Baltimore has Mm -hmm. these little pockets of 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 people and where I live does it is kind of considered like a white out area so it's kind of the reverse of the population of of Baltimore
0: Mm, yeah yeah there's been a lot of talk I mean I know you and I both know this past year especially on how much more um diversity we need to um you know, include in the running community and how this is a big issue, um, not just specifically to running, of course, but I think right. running in PT, you know, is, is just a, you and I are both involved in both of these realms running in PT and we see it, you know, and it exists, I think in our neighborhoods or in our communities. Um, so I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts on, you know, maybe as a physical therapist or as someone who is a runner, how you've seen, you know, maybe areas you've seen, I, you know, I can't speak to Baltimore, but I'm out in Portland and, you know, areas of opportunity for folks to um, come together and start prioritizing and addressing these, these topics.
1: Yeah, I think maybe the run groups might have to locate themselves in different areas. I mean, at least here, most of them are run out of the running stores that are within the main part of the city, where you're not gonna get people of color. And so that's kind of a problem. Um, there are, you know, black girl run groups and we, there's a very big black girl run group in Baltimore. And even when I do running groups with our, our local, the main local running store, Tron City um, run, there's, you know, a spankly you know, one or two other people of color that, that show up for these run groups. And um, I'm not really sure, you know, I look around and I always think that like, why, you know, why are not more people joining these, these groups, you know? And, but then if I go to something that selectively a black girls run, I mean, mm. there's 50, 75, 100 people. So we yeah. don't know what the disconnect is, you know, what is, what's making the, um, the population not feel comfortable enough to join these other
0: groups. Yeah, yeah, and- I'm sure there's a lot at play there, but that's a great point. I appreciate your perspective on that. And I, um, I'm i grateful that there are groups that exist like Black Girls Run or, um, you know, just these groups that are existing for folks that feel really comfortable going to these groups. Okay. But I really hope that for all groups, races, um, like, you know, organized races that people feel comfortable going regardless of, um if it's targeted toward a certain population, you know, or right. if it's just open to everyone in a sense, Interesting. yeah. <laughs> I wonder about that whole, yeah, open to everyone. Like, is anything ever open to everyone and accessible to all? Is that a real thing we can aim for? I don't know, but I posed a big question here. So <laughs> thanks for our listeners <laughs> I mean, to chew on too. like it's,
1: Open to all and accessible. Um, yeah, I mean, the
0: only thing because maybe you know
1: location, mm-hmm. or like we were talking, maybe the person who's running the group is is that keeping you know mm-hmm. people away. But
0: yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, yeah, I appreciate you sharing your perspective, and I think uh, you know, especially in the PT world too, this is something we need to highlight. Um, especially. So I'd love to know, um, you know, with running injuries, you mentioned, you see some knee pain, you know, maybe you see some Achilles tendon, shin splints, IT band. These are just some of the common injuries I see as a running coach with athletes I work with, or, you know, even my mom started to run and complains of shin splints sometimes. So um, I'm wondering if you have any tips, maybe common um, mistakes that new runners make, or that even, even long-term runners. I mean, we've got some definitely. competitors listening, you know, common mistakes runners make and how you recommend addressing those or preventing them.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I feel like this last year, it's really opened my eyes because, you know, even though I, you know, have been a runner and I have been a PT, it's just within the last year that I've, I've really honed in my, you know, my niche. So my niche is the knee pain and then, older, and then runners. So that's what I've really been focused on. They're like doing a lot of research, webinars, classes, things like that on running injuries. And definitely the number one running injury or complaint is knee pain. And I feel like I'm you know, i on Facebook, I see a lot of posts where I, I see women saying, oh, I'm gonna start running. And then they're like, oh, I just start running, my knee hurts. And I'm thinking, well, what did you do before you started running? And unfortunately, I think that it's kind of a misconception that's like, you need a good pair of shoes and then just run. Mm -hmm. And you know, that sounds great. And, And it's kind of true, but it's really not true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just lace no. up your
0: shoes and you're good to go.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. So I think the biggest mistakes is, is just doing that, like thinking, well, actually, one of the biggest make, mistakes would be not getting good shoes. So just thinking that um, you're going to just run in, in any type of a tennis type shoe or a sneaker type shoe instead of actually being fitted for the shoe that's right for you, I also see a lot of people um, going by what's popular. Mm. And you know, there's one brand out there that's like really, really popular. So when people are thinking about a running shoe, they just go, "Oh, I see that popular brand. I'm going to get that brand," and not realizing that maybe that brand per se is not the right shoe for them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The next thing is, I I feel like a lot of runners don't do any prep for running. So they're not doing strengthening. They're not doing mobility. They're not doing jump or plyometric training. And those three things are totally key in trying to prevent any kind of injury. And then the last thing is the runners aren't even noticing how they're running. They have no idea about their cadence or their form or their posture. So, they start running and then it's like, Oh, I had this injury. And, and then the next problem is just taking a rest. Well, I have an injury. So I just took three weeks off <laughs> and try to start run again. So then we're back to the same problem. Well, you need to strengthen, you need to do mobility. You need to do some jump plyometric training and then a return to run program. So there's a certain thing that you need to be able to do to run. And I usually say, okay, there's a program called, um, return to run by Cole. He's out of uh, William Mary.
0: Okay. And this is something
1: we use at one of my, do you know
0: that program? I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I hear great things. Uh-huh. So it was one of the things that we use I actually
1: worked, uh, for the army for a couple of years. And so those folks have to run right. <laughs> in the army. So that was one of the programs that, that we went to. So if anybody came in there and had any kind of, um, an injury or if they needed to get ready for the PT test and get ready for running. There's a process. So usually you did your physical therapy first. So you've got to, you got to strengthen and then of course within physical therapy, you learn about your know, flexibility, mobility, um, any impairments that you might have. Then the next step was you had to go to um, a plyometric class. So there was a whole class for like an entire month that you had to go to a couple days a week, just doing jump training, plyometrics. Your next step was the return to run program, and that where you get on the treadmill. You had the running coach check out your form, give you some tips on maybe you know what you needed to change or what's going good, what's going wrong. Then you started with your run walking. So that's a it's a process, you know, to get you back to running. Yeah. And um, then that way you're going to be a lifelong runner and not just have the injury, start running, stop, have an injury. <laughs> <stop>. Yeah. <Right.
0: laughs> back and forth. Right. So you're, it's sounding like your advice to someone who's maybe listening and injured now or has been injured is don't just rest and then return to running in three weeks or four weeks. You got to do some work in the process. Right. right? Rehab, yeah. don't
1: rest. That mm-hmm. is definitely my mantra. Rehab, don't rest.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm wondering if there's anything that you would recommend. Um, you noted there like plyometrics, but are there any like favorite exercises of yours? Ones that, and you know, this might be kind of a magic pill question that everyone loves to hear. <laughs> like, if I only do yeah. these three things, I'll be great but you know, anything that you're, whether it's single leg hops or calf raises or anything that you really think, gosh, if only runners did more of these exercises.
1: Yeah, actually um, on my Instagram page, I have, um, there's a link in the bio that has eight important exercises I think most runners should try to do. And um, just some of them would be like hinging. So um, hinge type exercises, like a deadlift, Um, squatting, so now you're using large muscle groups, working on lower body and quad, glute plus balance. Um, Another one would be push, so push-ups, plank, and the plank is like the next most important, I feel like, exercise besides your squat. (laughs) yeah then um pull which definitely a lot of women do not do any kind of a pulling type so it doesn't have to be pull ups per se but a type of a you know pull type motion because runners also need upper body strength which mm-hmm. is another thing that people forget or you know yeah. just assume you don't need so those are really key and then um and that could be a row start, right i've seen you do those on row. instagram yeah. rows yep. yeah mm-hmm. definitely rows yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah rows and then, as far as the plyometric training, it can be as simple as just trying to hop. And yeah. I always tell people like you should be able to hop like ninety times on one foot without pain, because running is mostly on one foot. And it's interesting because when I've said that to people, they're like, "Well, I could never hop." And I'm thinking, "But you're trying to be a
0: runner. What do <laughs> yeah. you mean?" Yeah, on foot. <laughs> That's so true. Gosh, and ninety times is quite a lot. I don't know that I've. I do single yeah. leg like, hops, but yeah. it's like ten to twenty or thirty, maybe. But gosh, no. ninety, yeah. Yeah, they're trying lot. to run
1: programs. Actually, want you to be able to hop thirty times in place, thirty
0: uh-huh. times
1: right to left, and thirty times front to back. So that's All like- in a row. Um, yeah, and it doesn't take that yeah. long, really. Okay. Like yeah, a that's ever, a good one. <laughs> <laughs> think about how many yeah. times like it was like seven. It was like seven thousand one foot contacts. Yeah. In a mile run.
0: That's a lot.
1: So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's just one mile of a run. You're going to have like 7,000 times. Right. You're going to have one foot on the ground.
0: It's Pretty so. incredible to think about yeah, how <laughs> right. much work our bodies do, especially those right. little muscle groups, even just to hop back and forth.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, when it comes to knee pain, since you said you specialize in that, anything that you notice, gosh, if runners just did Did these few things for knee pain specifically, or is there any commonality, you know, with with someone who maybe experiences knee pain that you notice?
1: Well, usually with running, it can be that their glutes are weak. It can be that their hip extension is too tight, um, that the ankle is actually too tight, that the foot muscles are too weak. <laughs> um, that the spine is too tight. So those those are like some of the main issues I look at first to see what you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, then looking at the leg length, are your, are your is your pelvis even? Are your legs actually even? Because then are you you know going as you are you running? You know halfway, halfway, on a certain distance, and then. Um, Else? and then the arm swing is so key because if you're just like crossing your body as you're running so you're taking your there's like so much more torque and um, it's just inefficient. Mm-hmm. And then another thing is where your foot is landing. So is it landing too far out in front of you and that's usually like an overstriding problem and that causes a lot of stress in the knee. And another problem that women tend to have more than men is the whole collapsing knee. So yeah. if you think about your knee looking like a like the letter L. Uh-huh. <laughs> so like when the foot lands and the knee turns in or pushes inwards, your leg kind of looks like an L. That's that's a big problem with women.
0: Definitely. I'm just gonna grab a, a water real quick. Uh yeah, sure. Yeah. Go. Keep that handy. Um, I know, <laughs> stay hydrated. That's another one. Um, yeah, yeah. I do hear oh, a lot. That'll help Great. prevent all injury. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. No, disclaimer there. Um, but so when it comes to, you know, the knee collapsing inward, I think that's a really good point. And maybe, um, it sounds like getting, um, getting analyzed by someone else. Could that be helpful? Like getting feedback from a PT,
1: definitely getting feedback from a PT or a running coach that knows what they're looking for. So, and then it's usually going to be something with, with the glute, like I said, or with the, um, the hip flexibility and the ankle flexibility. Okay.
0: That's a big one. Um, when it comes to stretching too, this is a big one I hear is sort of, um, well, I don't know. I have a few friends. Essay. in the, It's sort of what? Essay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of hearing that maybe it's not as important as we once thought it was. Or, right. you know, uh, yeah, I don't know what your thoughts are on stretching. Yeah,
1: so a dynamic warm-up. Definitely a dynamic yeah. warm-up before you're running. So that's going to be something like ankle rocks. So like rocking from um, toe to heel, toe to heel, back and forth. Uh-huh. Then like walking hip openers, walking lunges, um, some hip circles, some arm circles, jumping jacks. I always um, try to tell people that you want to have like maybe a little bit of sweat or feel like you're a little bit out of breath before you get started to know that you're, you're properly warmed up. So a dynamic warm up is, is where it's at. Just standing there. And touching your toes or just standing there and reaching your arms in the air it <laughs> doesn't do anything, a lot. Okay. Do
0: pre-run. Dynamic
1: warm-up. Yeah. And actually the research is it's the research is it's you know controversially. So it's kind of talking about not even worrying about stretching afterwards. But I yeah. still like to cool down, walk a little bit, and I I definitely like to stretch after a run and foam roll.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Foam roll for sure. I just <laughs> notice it myself even, I mean, I used to be really good about doing yoga. I haven't been lately these days, but I feel a lot better when I do at least a little bit here and there, even if it's just a few poses, you know, especially for hips, ankles, you know, that kind of thing. So.
1: And even when yeah. you're just doing, you know, at home stuff and you're not running, it's more important to do a dynamic type of a mm-hmm. thing than just a static stand there, touch your toes. Yeah. So even if you're home, like, yeah, like some of the yoga poses, so, you know, moving in and out of a down dog, moving in and out of a child's pose, moving in and out of a sun salutation, just doing those movements a couple of times, getting the body warmed up. And then, then you're actually increasing the extensibility of your muscles and your joints that way, because when they're just cold and you're just, you know, reaching for your toes, it really, really doesn't do anything. (laughs) I like the
0: science. I'm always into the science if you explain that, but I'm probably someone who likes to nerd out on this. So (laughs) appreciate it. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing. I'm trying to think if I, oh, the only other question I wanted to ask too related to this was around like what runners can do. I hear a lot of times that what can I do for recovery? Like what more can I do for recovery practices, foam roll, ice bath, you know, et cetera. Um, now we have, um, Gosh, what are they called? I don't have one of these, so but guns. those devices. Guns, there are guns. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Gun. you love like it. those. Yeah, them. they're nice. They feel good. But <laughs> it's like, how much do these actually do? Or is a lot <laughs> of this like just. This no, computer?
1: it works. It really does work. Yeah. The science yeah. is definitely right. backs. It's called percu- percussive. Yeah. Um, It does work and um, you really only need about 90 seconds per per muscle with the percussive machine. So, so those are really good, but um, recovery would be sleep, number one. (laughs) Hydration, like we were just talking about. So your water would be probably about number two for that. Nutrition, so having proper um, nutrients, your fruits, vegetables, protein, and carbs still need carbs, need carbs. (laughs) (laughs) So those are going to be your top recovery. Um, and then talk about your cross-training mobility, Mm -hmm. um, just mindfulness, being grateful, meditation, all that.
0: Yes cannot be uh, said enough. I think those are really essential. I love the mindfulness meditation component too. It's really nice that you take that perspective.
1: Definitely, yeah. definitely. And I've really learned a lot in the last year about, you know, the whole mind-body connection. And I, I really I'm hearing this a lot. I'm sure a lot of people have heard this a lot. Uh, but you know, your your mind or your thoughts kind of control your feelings, which control your actions. So you know, I think at the very beginning of our conversation, we were, I was mentioning about how if I have to slow down for somebody or speed up with someone, that's not a big deal. I hear a lot of women complaining about, um, well, if I'm going out with my boyfriend or my husband or my friend, they run faster than me. I, you know, I stink. I'm a slow runner. I, you know, I i suck. I'm this, I'm that. And it's like, you got to change that thought because you are you're thinking that you're, a bad runner, quote unquote, or a slow runner, quote unquote, or whatever you're thinking, and then you feel bad about yourself, and then you're probably gonna stop running because the action or the non-action that's gonna be created from that original thought. So change that thought, who cares? Like you're outside, he agreed to run with you, maybe he's ahead, you'll catch up with him later, you're doing something for your own health, and there you go.
0: I love that. Yeah. All good, (laughs) good ways to kind of um, shift perspective, you know, and see things a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah. I think,
1: you know, the whole, like, so worrying about how fast I am or how slow I am. And it's just, it's just too much. It's just too much pressure. I just don't understand what, what that's all about. As soon as someone starts running, the next thing they're like, how do I get faster? How do I get faster? Like, why don't you worry about your form or worry about and not, not even worry, but just be grateful that you can run.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I also hear, um, <laughs> kind of being an ultra running, like, how can I run longer? How can I go yeah. long? I have, you know, some athletes I work with and I'm excited for them that they want to start doing ultras, but I'm like, you don't have to continue to just go yeah. up in distance. Cause at some right. point we're going so to hit a feeling like, oh, now I've done a 50 K now miles. I got to do a hundred. Now I got to do this. Now I got to do that. Like, yeah. <laughs>
1: I am perfectly fine doing nothing more than a 10 K yeah. that's as yeah. far as you're see me running these and days. And that's
0: okay. Like, you know, a lot of times <laughs> going beyond these distances, even as someone who likes to do them, isn't, it's not, you know, you're not going to gain extra health benefits or um, just from, yeah. from running an ultra marathon. So it's more of a, if you really want to do it, sure, go for it, but you're yeah, right. to yeah, each their own.
1: Yeah. But don't yeah. make that your goal because you feel like that's what's next. I'm a runner. Mm-hmm. So now I need to do a 5K. Well, I'm a runner. Now I need to do a 10K. Now I need to do a marathon because all runners, you know, have to aspire to be a marathon or not at yeah. all. I found I was so much happier when I decided I wasn't going to do any more than a 10K. Like I get bored, yeah. like I was bored. Like I got to six miles and I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to do any more. <laughs> why you know when I was trying to do half, you know, half yeah. marathons. Mm-hmm. Like, well, why am I doing this to myself?
0: Yeah, um, exactly. Oh, I like that train of thought. Yeah, do what makes you happy, run happy. Um, When you work with um, women, especially as you just noted, are there any other barriers that you see or that you maybe advise to someone listening who, I mean, I'm imagining most of our listeners are (laughs) You know, I know them, they're most likely runners if they're listening to SRC radio, Strong Runner Chicks. But, um, you know, maybe we want to get like a parent or a sibling into running or a friend, you know, any advice on helping break down barriers to bring more women into the sport of running?
1: I think it has to start with what we were just talking about, the mindset thing. Not worrying so much about the little things, not worrying so much about what anybody else is doing what anybody else is wearing, what anybody else looks like, what you look like. Because I don't know what it is about us women, why we beat ourselves up so much, why we worry about so much outside of, of what you can control. You you can't control what anybody thinks about you. You can't sh- control what anybody feels about you. You can only control yourself. So I think the the whole, you know, just that self-defeating that just has to go away. We have to just be proud of our bodies and being strong. I mean, if, and if you're a, a certain weight, be proud of that weight. And uh, if you're a certain speed, be proud of that speed. If you're a walker, shoot, be proud of being a walker. And if you're a run walker, that's, an, you know, that's another thing I feel like uh, I hear a lot, of, oh, I'm not really a runner because you know I do walk breaks. I mean, there are so many marathoners out there that do walk breaks. There's no shame in walking. So I really hate when I hear that because it just, you know, I think it discourages a lot of people when they feel like, oh, I can't, I can't run a straight three miles and then they stop running. But, Mm -hmm. you know, that's just too much pressure. So I just feel like if we can just enjoy the run, stop so much pressure, stop comparing to other people, other things, um, and just, try to know that what you're doing is for yourself and you're doing it for your health and your longevity and that's it you know i mean if you want to compete fine but i mean if you're not going to olympics why are you so worried about how fast you are in a 5k <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i think that's a uh, good words of wisdom i like it shift yeah. the perspective let go of expectation maybe
1: yeah, yeah 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 i mean there's nothing wrong with having you know goals, you know, if they're attainable and achievable Mm -hmm. and you have short little goals for yourself, but the goal, the goal can't be that you want to run faster because, you know, somebody five years ago said that you'll never be a runner or somebody five years Mm -hmm. ago called you fat or something that can't be the reason, um, you find the why, that means so much to you that there's no obstacle that's going to get mm-hmm. in the way and if your why is something external like a wedding in three months that you're trying to fit into a dress or something like that maybe not not your own wedding <laughs> <laughs> somebody else's <laughs> probably or you know your yeah. class reunion if that's your why it's not strong enough because you're going to start running and then you're like, oh, well, I can just do this. I can just do that. And then you'll, you'll probably stop or, or the other, like recovery things that we were talking about, your sleep, your nutrition, your, your mindfulness, all that stuff's going to go to the wayside because that, that why is not strong enough. So exactly, that's the other part of it too, is um, making your why stronger than any obstacle
0: well said yeah um i have one more question that we like to wrap up with uh, before we get to how people can connect with you but what does being a strong runner chick mean to you yeah it was
1: interesting i was thinking about that and i actually have something prepared for that and i would say being a strong runner chick would be confidence resilience and courage Mm -hmm. so the confidence to get started the confidence to continue the resilience To stick with it and to to be strong about it, and then and then the courage to have that proper mindset, the courage to not worry about those small outside external things that you can't change, and just uh, be you.
0: Love it. Thank you, uh, Dr. Rosalind, for sharing all your words of wisdom today, and you know, just um, more about your story, the work you do. I'm really really grateful that people like you exist that are getting more um, people into into movement and helping them along the way. So it's much needed. Yeah. As we said, you can put on a pair of shoes and go out there, but likely at some point in your running career, you'll need a good PT. And so always yeah. good to have in your, um, in your repertoire or in your... Circle of people. So um, I wanted to know, you know, how um, folks can connect with you, if there's a way um, online that they can work with you virtually or in Baltimore. Yeah. So I, I started my
1: practice as a mobile concierge and online practice. So that means that I actually meet people where they are needed. So I go to people's homes or it would have been their business, their fitness center, anything like that. But um, because of the pandemic, I've actually met um, all my clients in the park. I live across the street from a wonderful park in in Baltimore. Um, I also have met some people at their homes that they they had like a deck um, and we can meet outside. Um, Of course, now um, with luckily being able to have both vaccines and some of my clients having both vaccines, we've been able to meet inside during the, during the winter. And, um, but it's still just us two, which makes it a, a lot safer, I'm still wearing a mask. So um, in Baltimore, anybody could find me um, on Facebook. It's uh, ReKinetic Physical Therapy and Wellness. I also have an Instagram, which is Dr. Rosalyn. And um, I am licensed. I can only work as a physical therapist in the state I'm licensed. So that's Maryland and Virginia. But to help people with um, non-skilled physical therapy needs, like even if it was something to do with knee or knee pain, if, you, if it was something to do more with like your running or movement or fitness or health, I can work across the whole United States. So in doing that, um, I also have a telehealth practice. So, um, and that's, um, you know, HIPAA compliant and I have a whole portal and everything and I see, uh, I actually see a couple of clients now, um, online cause they just prefer it that way. Even than you know, meeting outside yeah,
0: do yeah.
1: it telehealth and it works perfectly fine.
0: Excellent. Yeah, that's great to hear. I've noticed that too. I have some clients that say, wow, this is so nice. I don't have to wear a mask now because we're online, <laughs> you know, right? so yeah. it can be kind of refreshing and that. Sense. You have
1: know, to get your car, you don't have to drive anywhere. Yeah. You can just like click on the computer and it makes the appointment so much shorter and easier. Mm-hmm. I Definitely. found that with my own, uh, my own doctor. I was like, oh yeah, this is awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. Much easier. Yeah, yeah. very nice. Um, well, thank you again so so much. I really appreciate your time and you know, excited to keep you in our network of PTs so when we know yeah. um, anybody reaches out with a PT question, we know where to where to turn to or where to recommend um, and virtual, gosh, so important these days. So really glad that you're
1: yeah I think it's gonna remain even past this year. and and like we said, why not? we found how yeah. convenient yeah. it is. it works exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Dr. Rosalind. Really appreciate your time and thank you um, all who listened to this episode. Hope you enjoyed it and be sure to like, rate, leave a review um, yeah. and reach out to Dr. Rosalind. Awesome. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Strong Runner Chicks Radio. Do us a favor and leave a review in iTunes to help spread awareness and foster the SRC community. Additionally, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Strong Run Chicks.